Welcome to Milton Bible Church Online. It's Easter Sunday, and it's wonderful to be together. Easter is the greatest holiday of the Christian calendar. It's a day of celebration, anticipation, and proclamation. Did you know that it's at Easter time when more people Google church or Jesus than at any other time of the year? In fact, uh, secondly, of course, is Christmas, but Easter is the number one time when people go searching either for church or for uh, spiritual things about Jesus. It's quite interesting. Uh, for Christians, Easter is the most important holiday. Of course, it's the day that we celebrate that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead three days after his crucifixion. And during this pandemic, more people have been searching for God than ever before. In fact, millions of people have come to faith in Jesus Christ due to online ministries and uh, due to uh, search engines and people that they've reached on the other side of their longing and their searching. Uh, for instance, in the Philippines, a woman named Grace found herself on a website about coronavirus fear. It was hosted by an organization by the name of Global Media Outreach. This is what she wrote. She said, please help me not to worry about everything. And she wrote this in a chat with her volunteer, with a volunteer counselor. What's happening now is very confusing. And the counselor explained that only Jesus can bring lasting peace. And it was in that conversation that Grace placed her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in the US, through the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, someone chatted online. It was a young mother by the name of Brittany she was worried that, worried that COVID-19 would take her life and would take the life of her children. The counselor offered hope and peace, and Brittany, too, accepted Christ as her Savior. And this is happening all over the world, as there's been a huge spike in proclamations of faith in Jesus Christ. Perhaps you're here and you're listening online and you're saying to yourself, yeah, I am searching for something too. Something has stirred in my spirit. Something is, 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 is not right with me. So let me commend you. That is fabulous. Because you know what? If you ask the right questions, you're gonna get the right answers. Well, it's Easter Sunday. And we're going to take a look at the story of the first Easter Sunday, the very first morning in which uh, people find out that Jesus is no longer dead, but he has risen from the dead. And what we're going to find is we're going to find three different responses to the truth of the resurrected Christ. Maybe you can identify with one of them, and maybe, uh, perhaps, uh, you will take a step of faith towards Christ on this Easter Sunday. Let's take a look at them. Three different responses to the resurrection of Christ. 
It's found in Luke chapter 24, and we're going to look at verses 1 to 12. I'm going to kind of go through uh, and set up the context of what these verses are talking about. Then we're going to look at the three responses. So let's take a look. Luke chapter 24, verse 1. It says, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. Now, what was happening was a group of women were going to the tomb of Jesus on the Sunday morning. They couldn't go before that because the day before was the Sabbath. And so they came with their spices, preparing the body for, for burial. And um, you know, so they, they carried these spices. Some people call them the original Spice Girls. Verse 2, it says this, And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Now, this is really unusual because a stone would have been a very heavy, large stone, and it would have been wedged into the front of the tomb, the front of the cave, and very difficult to get out. In fact, these stones were oftentimes um, put on a, an incline so that between the weight of the stone and the incline that they're wedged into, it would be very difficult to roll them away. Verse 3. It says, but when they went in, that is these women, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in, a dazzle, in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened, and, and they bowed their faces to the ground. Now I want you to understand, two angels appear to these women. They appear to these women in the tomb. And the women are terrified. It's as if their clothes were dazzling, white, blinding, and, and, and the women were terrified. Understand this. Um, it, this is often the case when people meet angels in the Bible. How do you know if you've really met an angel? You'll probably be scared to death. And oftentimes, in the scriptures, you'll find that people who meet angels are terrified. So, in, for, so for instance, Joseph met an angel and was terrified. What did the angel say? Fear not. Mary met an angel and was terrified. What did the angel say? Fear not. The shepherds met an angel and were, and were terrified. What did the angel say? Do not fear. And then Zacharias, he, again, he met an angel and was filled with fear, and the angel said, fear not. I think fear not or do not be afraid are standard lines at angel school. Um, how do you know if you've met an angel? Well, you'll be terrified. Why? Because when the holy meets the unholy, when the otherworldly meets the worldly, something unusual happens. You don't have to tell somebody they met an angel. They know it. But the angel is always there to bring good news. The angel is there to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. So listen to what happens next. The men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here but has risen. Now this is the message of Easter. He has risen. And the angels are the first to declare it. And the women are the first to hear it. Now, in church, in many churches, on Easter morning, there's kind of a response that's given. Someone, a leader, goes up to the front and they say, He is risen. And the people respond by saying, he is risen indeed. So this is what I want you to do. Online, I'm going to say he is risen. I want you to type in the column if you're on Facebook, 
He is risen indeed. We're here to celebrate. You guys ready? He is risen. I can hear those fingers going. He is risen indeed. It is the message of the gospel. It is the good news of God's salvation that Christ has defeated death. The angels, what they did was they reminded the women that this was exactly what Jesus said he would do. Let's keep going in the scripture. It says, remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day uh, and rise. And they remembered his words. You see, the angel reminded them of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ would die on a cross of sin and shame, that he would bear our sin, that he would die, that he would rise three days later, and through his death, he would secure our eternal life. Through the condemnation uh, that would be taken from us by the work of the cross, we would be justified, and by grace through faith, we would be saved. It's an incredible, uh, fantastic truth. And the angels reminded the women of this truth on that wonderful day. Now let's take a look at the three responses. The three responses. The first one, of course, is the response by these women. You know what happened to them? They become they became missional Christians or Christian missionaries. You know what they became? They became people who proclaimed the truth of Jesus Christ. Look what it says in verse 9. It says, And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. So what did these women do? They immediately went back to the group of disciples and apostles and they told them this great news that Jesus had risen from the dead. You know, it's interesting and I think it's significant that Jesus chose to reveal uh, himself and, and God chose to reveal the resurrection uh, to women first. And I think that's significant. And I think it's important for us to dig down into that a little bit. All four of the Gospels witness to the fact that the resurrected Christ appeared first to women. An incredible, historical, consistent record. All four of them pay tribute to this happening. And if the apostles were looking at fabricating the resurrection, they certainly would not have written it out this way. Let me explain. Let me explain. Because we have to ask the question, why women first? Why women first? To be honest, back in the day, you probably wouldn't have penned it out this way. If you were trying to make a case for the resurrected Christ, you probably wouldn't record these events in this time and in this way. Michael Lacona, who's a historian, he writes, and I think he explains a little better than I could. What he says this, he says, the main argument posited for the historicity of the appearance to the women and the empty tomb for that matter 
is that the early Christians would not have invented the story since the low view of women in first century Mediterranean society would raise problems of credibility. He provides evidence that the Greco-Roman world educated men and educated men regarded women as gullible in religious matters and especially prone to superstitious fantasy and excessive in religious practices. In other words, the word on the street and the official word in court was that you couldn't trust the word of a woman. In fact, these women, you know, you can't trust them because they're so emotional. They're so hysterical. And when it comes to religious experiences, it's, it's just way beyond the pale. You cannot trust them. So in other words, you can imagine this scene in court. People at the time of Christ, and even people today, would say that this resurrection of Jesus is simply a fabrication, a conspiracy theory. And I will tell you, if anyone knows about conspiracy theories, it's this generation. But you can imagine the scene in court. The accuser says this, you are making this story up. You just want to start a conspiracy. And the apostle responds, if I wanted to start a conspiracy, why would I choose an unreliable witness according to you? I'm not looking to cross my T's or dot my I's. I am looking to tell the truth. By the very nature of how this is recorded, that truth is more important, uh, the truth of what, was, what happened was so important to, to the apostolic witness, um, it, it just brings merit to the story that what actually happened to these women who were the first ones to find uh, the risen Christ and the angelic beings who proclaimed Christ, it just brings validity to the story. Indeed, everything about Jesus' death and resurrection was unique. Jesus was betrayed by a friend. He was rejected by his own people. He was silent before his accusers, even forgiving his own killers, and then rising from the dead. The whole story around the gospel is just spectacular. In fact, all of the story of the living God is amazing. When you are looking at things like um, the gospel writers were the first witnesses, uh, but that's not the only part of redemption. There are other parts as well from barren women who give birth to waters being departed, from young boys slaying giants. I will tell you something. You can't make these things up. And Jesus took those whose word society said was not trustworthy and in court was not valid. And he made them the most reliable witnesses to the greatest event in human history. He went against all societal norms and he came to seek and to save all who are lost, women included.
And do you know those women? They would not be silenced. They would not stay quiet. No matter what society thought of them, no matter what the response of other people was, they proclaimed Jesus is risen. Wow. <laughs> and it, it, it's, it's absolutely amazing. That's the first response to the Easter story. These women bro became proclaimers. They became proclaimers. The second response is what I call the response of the disciples. They became Christian atheists. And what I mean by Christian atheists is this. There are so many Christians who would call themselves follower, followers of Christ, yet when it comes to something uh, powerful, something miraculous, something like the resurrection of Christ, they always have a, a suspicion to it. Uh, how can the, possibly the power of the living God work in this way or in my life or in that situation in such a way? And they really believe but they really don't believe. That was the response of the disciples. Listen to this. It says in verse 11, but these words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. In other words, they said, what? That's an idle tale. You saw an angel? Foolishness. You irrational, emotional, gullible, hysterical women, how can we possibly trust you? That was their response. But that was not the first response, or the first time they responded in this way. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus uh, performs a miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. And these same disciples kind of have this same response. And the context here is the disciples, um, they go to Christ. It's the end of the day. Thousands of people have gathered, 5,000 men. The scripture says, plus women and children. They've gathered to hear the teachings of Jesus. It is the end of the day. People are hungry. They are tired. And uh, they say to Jesus, hey, let's send everybody home. Or let's send everybody into the villages so they can get something to eat. Listen to how the story is recorded. Mark chapter 6, verse 35. It says, by this time it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. And this is what they said. This is a remote or desolate place. They were referring to it looking like a desert. And they said, it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and the villages and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus answered to them, you get them something to eat. And they said to him, well, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, Jesus said? Go and see. So they went around, they looked in people's lunch buckets, and they said, we have five loaves and we have two fishes. And Jesus directed them to have all the people, and listen to what it says, verse 39, to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties and taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. You see, what happened 
was the disciples, they saw a desert. And what Jesus saw was green grass. The disciples were given a task by God. And it was, and the first thing they do is they look to their resources. They look to their bank account. They look to the bakers in the area. They look to the lunch buckets that were out, you know, that people had, had brought. The power of God is at their disposal. Yet they choose to look at the mundane when the miraculous is standing right before them. It's absolutely spectacular. They were followers of Christ, but the, and the power of God was, was standing right in front of them and at their disposal, yet they did not see it or believe it. But the reality is God is on the move and he can meet the needs of the multitude and he can meet your needs too. Let me ask you a question. Is it time for you to move from the desert to the green grass? Is it time for you to move and to be encouraged in the things that God has for you? The power of the living God, the dynamic power that would raise Jesus from the dead. Is it not time to move to the green grass to where Christ has waiting for you? Are there some Christian atheists here who need to give their hearts back to the resurrected Christ? Let's look to him. Well, there's a third response, a third response. And this is what the scripture says. Point number three, the third response to the resurrected Christ found in the life of Peter. Peter became a follower. Look at what verse 12 says. It says, but Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Peter got up and he ran to the tomb. He ran to find the resurrected Christ. Now you have to remember that the last time Peter saw Jesus, Peter had betrayed him. Peter had walked away from him and denied him. But now he hears of the hope of the resurrection the salvation fulfilling the scriptures in Jesus. And Peter wants a part of that. And he wants to be with Jesus and he wants to follow Jesus. And he knows the mistake that he made. So he gets up and he runs to the tomb. Do you know that Jesus is still looking for followers? Jesus is still looking for those, no matter the mistakes that have been made, no matter that the, the, the sins that have occurred, no matter the distance between us and God or, or, or the things that we have done one with another, Christ is not looking per, for perfection. What he is looking for is a personal relationship with you and I. And so he is still looking for those who would run to him. And that's what Easter is about. Easter is about all those who would come to Christ find the salvation that he offers through what he has done on the cross, dying, being buried, rising again, and, and, and coming into relationship with him. The scripture says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, what I'd like to do now is something that 
that I do every Easter. And what I'd like to do is lead all of us in what's called a prayer of salvation. And if it's the desire of your heart to recommit yourself to Jesus Christ or to receive him as Savior, I would invite you to pray these words with me as we pray together. Let's bow our heads in prayer. So just pray along in your own spirit. Pray out loud. Whatever feels comfortable to you. But let's pray on this Easter Sunday. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and into my life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. If you have prayed that prayer, I would love to encourage you in the new step that you have taken in the new life that you will now have in Jesus Christ. I'd like to send you a book called More Than a Carpenter by Josh McDowell. And it will tell you more about Jesus Christ and it will be a great encouragement to you. Over the years, we've given away dozens of these books at Milton Bible Church. And I would love for you to have one as well. So feel free to email me, jim at miltonbiblechurch.ca and I would love just to send you this as a gift. Um, no strings attached, no follow-up emails, um, but, uh, but I would love for you to reach out and to be encouraged by this book. And if there's any way that we can help you in your walk with Christ, in, in coming to know him as Savior and living fully for him, that's what we're here for, and we would love to do that. So you let me know, and, and we'll get this in the mail right away to you. Well, listen. This is Easter Sunday. It's a day of proclamation. It's a day of celebration. It's a day that many of us have had great anticipation for in the weeks uh, leading up to this. It is the greatest day of the Christian calendar. So my heart says to your heart, have a party. Celebrate. Celebrate all that God has done for us in Jesus Christ. May you and your family and your friends, all those near and dear to you, may you celebrate this Easter season. And may God bless you.